This is Donnie Tuttle, the Sell Anywhere trainer, coach, and practitioner. Welcome to the only podcast designed for the remote sales professional and the remote leader, helping you live with more joy, more freedom, and more productivity. We believe that your talent is not limited to years of code and that you can build the life that you want while selling from anywhere. What is up? This is Donnie Tuttle, the Sell Anywhere sales coach, and um, you are going to want to either A, commit to listening to this one several times, or B, uh, get out your pens and paper wherever you're at. Pull over, because I have got a barn burner uh, for you today. We have with us uh, the one, the only, Stu Heineck who is the author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. Uh, I'm not sure, it's gotta be on some bestsellers list. Stu, Stu will help us out with that. Uh, also the podcast, he runs the podcast, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone as well. Um, you know, I have picked up so many things uh, and I am really looking forward to digging into the, the brain of the master. He is a humorist, he's a cartoonist, and he is, uh, he's awesome. You're gonna love him. So uh, Stu, Welcome to the Sell Anywhere podcast. Uh, what's going on, my friend? Donnie, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Man, uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, they say that no man lives on an island, but I hear that that's not necessarily <laughs> true. Well, I think they say no man is an island. but Oh, that's what it is, to himself, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but um, I do live on an island. I live on an island um, just north of Seattle, and I love it. God, it's like half, being halfway to heaven. It's just amazing. It's so pretty here, and... Uh, and so removed from the city, it's just it's just amazing. So it's all just forest and farmland, and it just goes right to the edge of the of the islands I mean, of the island. And it's just this long, irregularly shaped island. It's 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 just unbelievably beautiful. If you if if you are if you're someone who travels and you're looking for an awesome place in our uh, in, in in our nation. My favorite is that northwestern corner. Um, actually, northeastern corner, northwestern corner. So Maine and Washington. And boy, we were up near your area, Stu. Um, you know, I apologize because I know we're going to create a, a just a, an invasion of people that are coming there now, <laughs> driven by the, the this podcast traffic to your area. But yeah. uh, anyways, <laughs> awesome area. So man, tell tell us because you've gone, um, Stu. Just trace for us a little bit of your. Um, uh, career because I know that you um, right now you're doing something a little bit different than where we started at least as far as I know so you started out as a cartoonist with well actually I mean um, I, I have to I have such a strange really a strange background because um, all of my education is in marketing but I also loved cartooning and so they, they just developed simultaneously ah. and um, and at some point, I, you know, after after graduating uh, college, I wanted to I wanted to be involved in creating direct marketing campaigns, but I wanted to involve cartooning because I knew that cartoons were. I, I just knew from readership surveys that are conducted by magazines and newspapers that cartoons are almost always the best read and remembered parts of anything any any uh, anything near an editorial, I should say, and and that's quite a statement because you think about what's in the in those uh, publications. It's their collective works. Everything in there is meant to be memorable and get your attention, and you know, be your favorite part of the of the, ma the magazine or the newspaper. But it turned out that 
cartoons are just about always the uh, the best read and remembered part. Um, and so I wanted to mix the two in, in I wanted to mix that that the power of car of cartoons and cartooning with marketing and um, ended up creating direct mail campaigns for publishers when I first got out of college. And you know, I mean, I, I did it for publishers because it was the biggest arena. I mean, they, they were the biggest, most sophisticated users and testers in, in direct response. So if you, if you created something there and it beat their control, beat their, their record-breaking campaigns that, that broke the, the record for them in terms of response, then you really, really have done something. It, that, was, that was like the major leagues. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on pause for a second, yeah. Steve, because you, you, my friend, you weren't, it's, you weren't, um, you weren't cartoony. You weren't the cartoonist at um, the, the, you know, at the, the Redneck News. Uh, we're talking about, this is the Wall Street Journal. Right? Well, eventually it was, yeah. Okay. I started with Redneck News. Okay, so we start with the Redneck News. We're in the Wall Street Journal. And, and, and before we dig into even maybe more of, of really what has become your work now, um, I think it's actually a, a, an important point. Why do you think cartoons are something that, that is the most memorable of all of the information, all of those words, all of the, all of the stuff that's, uh, that's contained there? Why do you think Great that is? Great question. And, uh, you know, I would joke with you and say <coughs> – and say I have no idea, but really I do. Uh, you know, they're they're easy to read. First of all, I mean, it's a it's a funny little drawing with a, a couple lines of text, and the the drawings, you know, without without trying to to elicit a pun, they do draw you in. You know, I mean, <laughs> you just can't help but look at them and go, okay, what's going on there? And then when and we know we're we're trained that that um, when at least if you see them in a magazine, if you see them in the New Yorker, um, then you you've got a pretty good sense that. Okay, this is going to be something funny. It feels good to laugh. I mean, it's really good for us. You know, one time, I, one of my cartoons helped someone pass a kidney stone. They're really good for your health. <laughs> so, so we know that there's something really, really good, something pleasurable um, when you read a cartoon. You, you expect it. You hope that, that that'll happen. And and then here, you know, what's really amazing about cartoons, and really just about humor, is that they're all they're about truth revealed in a twist. Every time we laugh at something, that's the nature of humor. We, we, we laugh when we say, oh, my God, that's so true. Well, you know, that's a really important point because if you can control or if you can direct that in the, in the humor, of course, that's what I learned to do, you, then you, what you're doing is directing the thing that they're saying that's so true. Now, here you have this, this device that is getting more attention than just about anything you could put in print or on a screen. And then when someone reads it, they're saying, yeah, all they have to do is say, <laughs> by doing that, they already agree. There's already a planted point of agreement mm. in their heads. So it's just an incredibly powerful device for marketers. I, I love it. And, Stu, I always think about, and I can't remember who, um, who I heard this concept from, but uh, several years ago in my sales career, someone, you know, someone said, take your, take your message, simplify it, simplify mm. it some more. And put it, if, if you can't put it in a 140-character tweet, then you're not there yet. And uh, I think it was Mark Twain who said, I, I wrote a long letter only because I didn't have time to write you a short one. <laughs> and and, a, and I, I think what you're doing is you're, you're literally, you're involving, first off, all parts of the brain, some part that says, hey, that's true. But you're also, it's almost like you're getting at the main ideas and you're delivering it in a way that's easy and, there, and there's humor. There's something about that combination of, yeah, of making um, it easy and humor. Yeah, it's it, it's just instant, and and it's just instant pleasure. And 
I'll give you an example. I, I don't know if it's the best example, but it's the one I have uh, near me. Um, I, I did a cartoon of this guy. He's leaping through. He's, he's cradling the phone on his shoulder, and he's leaping through some papers at his desk. And he's talking to the phone. He's saying, well, "Hey, listen, we got your proposal, and we like everything except having to pay you." Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how many times have we heard that? Or you know, they might even say that actually. But um, certainly, if the if our prospects haven't quite said it that way, we know that's what's going on, right? We've all been through that. So that's what makes that cartoon funny. Oh my goodness! Yes, uh, I'm, I'm smiling over here. So absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And so um, I really want to. I want to. I want to zoom into uh, where we're at right now. And um, so you stumbled upon something where you were taking. You mixed two worlds, and I think it was Elon Musk recently who said, "Hey, if you want to bring value to the world, become an expert at one thing, then become an expert at another, and then find where those two things intersect." And oh. you, you did that, right? You oh took my gosh. Wow. cartoons and then you took marketing. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, right? You took, you took those two, yeah. and now all of a sudden there, there's a spark that happened for you. And, and, um, and can, you, can, you, uh, can you bring us into where you discovered what, what we now know or what you've now deemed contact marketing? So can you, can you share yeah. with, with us a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, I think there's just one story that, that, that encapsulates the whole thing, and that's, again, going back to way back to when I was starting out, and I wanted to create direct mail campaigns for publishers. Well, I got my first two assignments for, uh, for test campaigns, one for Rolling Stone, the other for Bon Appetit. And when you create one of these test campaigns, it, it's tested against a control. And, and I, I should explain that real quickly, that uh, in statistics, we test against a control group, a constant. In direct marketing, um, you're testing against a control, which is the most effective thing you've ever put out there. So if you tie the control, that means you just tied the record for the most response that they've gotten in that, in that slot in their, in their campaign. If you beat the, the control, you just set the new record. Well, my first two assignments, you know, keeping in mind that I was, I kind of, <laughs> I, I won't say cheating, but I wasn't cheating, but I had this secret weapon. I was, wor I was working under a different, I was, I was disrupting direct mail, I guess, because mm. I was using the cartoon device. And those two, the first two uh, campaigns beat their controls. It's like, you know, a, it's like a rookie walking out onto the baseball field at, in the major leagues and hitting two grand slam home runs. It just doesn't happen. Mm. But it did. So I thought, okay, that's my opening. Uh, now I can bring this to the rest of the publishing industry. But there was, you know, the big problem that we all have when we're saying, let's bring whatever we got to wh whoever we want to bring it to. How do I get in touch? And so what I did was I, I you know, I, I I put together this little campaign. I didn't know what to call it, so I called it a contact campaign. And really, it was just it just consisted of an 8 by 10 print of a cartoon. Each cartoon that I do, all the cartoons I do are written so that there's a data insertion point for first and last name. So it's personalized. It's about you when you get one. And uh, so there was an 8 by 10 print and then a letter, that, a note really, that just said, hey, this is the device I just used to beat the controls for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. And I think we should put it to the test for your titles. That went out to about two dozen people in the, pu in the publish publishing industry. So these were VPs and directors of circulation or consumer marketing at Time Inc., Time Warner, um, let me think here, Condé Nast, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, et cetera. These are not easy people to reach. And uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, first of all, if, if I got a 1% response rate, which was that number that was always bandied about in direct response, if you get a 1% response rate, you're doing really well. 
to actually there is no such number. But if I got a one percent response hmm. rate to a campaign that went to twenty four people, I don't, that doesn't even affect one person. You know, it's like I don't right. know what that means. Right, right. So and I and I thought even if I get a ten percent response rate, that's a disaster. I need to reach all of them. And and you know I'd been told in the direct response um, industry that hundred percent response rates were impossible. But I'm, I just shrugged it off. That's what I need. So that's what I'm shooting for. And what do you th- what what do you suppose I got for a response to that campaign? Mm, I read, so I kind of know. So oh, won't you share? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know that it's I got through to all of them. So that's a hundred percent response rate. All of them became clients. That's a hundred percent conversion rate. And it all stemmed from this little campaign to twenty four people, r- roughly, I guess. Um, you know, it cost me maybe a hundred dollars total to do that campaign and it launched my business it was worth millions of dollars to me and that really is the essence of contact marketing i, I had a small a, a small audience very important contacts i needed to reach all of them um you know i didn't in this case i didn't spend a lot some people have spent a lot on their contact campaigns but i didn't spend much and um and the results were a hundred percent hundred percent contact or, or response rate one hundred. That is unheard of. Yeah, it's not supposed to happen. Well, in direct marketing, it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. You know. Yeah, I was. It I does was uh, elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked in that world uh, for for a segment of my life, and they said, "Hey, we, you know," we, and we did a variety of different things, um, but it was a known industry standard. Like, hey, the only two predictables is um, direct mail and. Um, you know, email campaigns, and that, you know, like, the predictor is, like, 1%, <laughs> so it's, like, uh, that's not too encouraging, right? Well, yeah, yeah, and, you know, I, it, and you, then you remember, then, that they would say that also that 100% response rates are impossible. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that, was not, was, that was off the table, yeah. Yeah, forget it, it's not going to happen, so when I got 100% response rates, it's happened a few times, I, you know, I, before writing the book and, and connecting with the, all the people who've been doing this, anyway, I, I used to hide that fact because I, I thought if I if I tell someone this, it's going to be like saying I saw a UFO. <laughs> not only am I wrong, but man, I have no credibility. You know. Well, I will I will tell you, and we're actually going to take a real quick break here uh, for our audience. But that that reminds me of a story of uh, of one of my clients who you you're going to meet, uh, but he he saw Bigfoot. So um, we'll take a break, and we'll we'll talk about that coming up soon. If you are looking to perfect the art and science of selling anywhere, I've got something for you. It's at thesalesclassroom.com. And when you go to thesalesclassroom.com, you're going to find the Sell Anywhere Classroom. Now, we have a free portion of that for you, which is the Sell at Home Survival Kit. And that is six video sessions and the ultimate guide and checklists of things that you need when you're selling from anywhere, that is absolutely free. And if you wanna engage with us on a deeper level, you can go over there right now and take a look at thesalesclassroom.com. It has all the best stuff from this podcast and from my life practices in selling from anywhere. We'll see you there at thesalesclassroom.com. So, uh, so Stu, I'm, I'm really excited to dig into this with you because um, most, uh, you know, w- when sales and people hear about marketing, they kind of, they kind of turn the volume down only because they think, 
well, that's something that's out of my control. And, and, um, and the reason that you're here today in, in, in my audience is, is usually strictly, these are sales professionals, sales leaders. And, and, and what, what I've seen from you, what I've read from you actually gives not only power to them, but it gives it, it like there are so many, I think it, I think Stu, you unleash uh, creativity, originality. I think you, you, you give permission and maybe you, you, you are dubbing an army of knights who are uh, <laughs> able to go out there and to, to do something that's a little different. I, first off, I want to know why do you think um, contact marketing works? I, I, I feel like it's because it's different and unexpected, but why do you think um, it works? Well, I, you know, I think there's really kind of a simple part uh, to this or, or aspect to it, which is that whatever you do, however you reach out, I, I think the thing you want happening on the other end of, of this is to have the recipient say, man, I love the way you think. And, you know, if you've done that, and, you know, you were starting out cold, but if they're saying, if that's the conclusion they come to because of what you've done, that's a, that's a great way to walk in the door and talk to someone about a solution you have. So I think that's it. I, th I think it's, it's, it's because it, it works because it has that effect. It, when, it's, when it's working properly, it has that effect of, of people saying, man, oh, my God, look at this. I love the way you, this guy thinks. Man. I, I, and I, and I, think that, um, I think that's what we want. All of us, when we do business with people, at, at some level, I believe that we want to identify with that person. We want to say, like, this is someone I can trust. And, and usually we're saying in, internally somewhere, I trust them because they, they're like me or, mm -hmm. or, or they get me. And, and so what you just said there, like, I, I love the psychological sliver uh, that you just kind of, you took a core sample there, um, Stu. Um, in, in, in some of the ideas that, that, uh, that I've seen and heard of, and, and, and we'll, we'll get into maybe a couple of your favorites, and I'm just going to throw this out there to tantalize the audience a little bit. Um, by the way, get the book, listen to the podcast, do yourself a favor, how to get a meeting with anyone, you want to do this, um, and it really is, it, it really is solid stuff, but, but Stu, I've, 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 there's stories of people sending swords with, uh, with, with meaningful notes. There's some people, I, I love the idea, like, the, like some people send burner phones, uh, some people, they're, they're literally using carrier pigeons to, <laughs> to, right. to deliver things. And so, like, as, as, as vast as, as your imagination is, you know, remote control helicopters or drones or whatever, as, as vast as your imagination is, really, it doesn't matter. There, there's so many ways. And even if we told you all we could think of right now, like, you could probably double those ideas tomorrow. Um, but I, I want to know, Stu, it, like, who do you think should be and could be using uh, contact marketing? Well, anybody could be. It really, it's anybody who has a need to reach someone that's important to them. So, you know, we usually think, we, we usually frame, frame that in, in terms of salespeople who are going after, let's say, major accounts. Um, or or it's just if, whether they're major or not, if they're their accounts and they're, they're tasked with breaking through, then those are the people who are most important to them right now. Um, but, you know, beyond that, it, it could be to... to um, to connect with someone who, who serves as a mentor or as a, as a partner, uh, a strategic oh, yeah. partnership maybe. Or, you know, um, I, I, I mean, I, I interviewed a guy, fascinating guy uh, the other week from, from my next book, and he used um, a really interesting, uh, put an interesting use of, of AdWords to, to, get, <laughs> to, to, um, to get a job. The guy spent $6 and <laughs> reached, uh, 
you know, the, 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 the uh, creative directors of the top six agencies in, in Manhattan. And <laughs> just to get them to, you know, connect with him and take a look at his portfolio. And five of them responded. Three of them interviewed him. One hired him. And he spent a total of six bucks. Oh my goodness! There's yeah, no it, end to it, the, to the it's not about money, right? Out there. Tell, tell me what you think of this, um, Stu. I always um, there's a, there's sometimes uh, just as I'm going through things or I'm bringing people through things. There's a term I coined. At least I, I give myself credit for it. But um, tell me if this resonates with the with the um, the sentiment here. And it's uh, it's business business romantic is what I call it. Hmm. So business meaning what? Well, I mean, the idea is when, like, um, I feel like sales and, and connecting with people, I, th I love how you said you do this with, it, with people who are important to you. you know, like if you're, if you're trying to connect with someone who's important to you. And so literally the same laws that work to, um, you know, to attract a mate, which I want to, there's another story I want to get to. Oh, that's um, you know, the, the, the same laws that, that, that take us um, towards that and create a relationship and say, hey, uh, you're like, I want to meet you and I'm someone that you should take the time to talk with. Uh, and, and we're basically getting the attention of someone else that those same things that happen when we're, when we're dating people and gaining their attention actually work. If we take the mentality and some of the over the top type of ideas that works in the world of business as well. Is that, does that? Well, I think yeah, that's probably true. You know, <laughs> what, what am I to say next? But I, I, I do think that's true. Um, well, you know, it's about making human-to-human -human connections. So mm. all, all of that is human-to-human -human connections, whether it's business or, or romantic connections. You know, it's, it's, we're, we're just people. We're just trying to connect. So, break, like, well, share with me maybe, maybe a couple of your, your favorite ideas that, you, that you've heard that you thought, wow, that was pretty creative. Or maybe, maybe it was a results thing, or maybe it was because it costs uh, next to nothing. Um, sh you know, share, share a couple of those things, if you would. Sure. Well, you know... Um, there are some really much bigger stories, but I'm looking at a, some guy sent me a, a block of wood through the mail. So, I'm, you know, it's just, it's, I mean, it's literally, it's a block of wood and he wrote my name on it and he put a stamp on it and sent it to me. <laughs> and I, you know what? That's great. It's a visual metaphor. And we connected over it. And I, I just love the, you know, audacity is a big part of this. Ooh, yes. So um, I loved the audacity of it and, and I just thought it was really cool. Now, uh, let's say toward the other end of the spectrum is Dan Waldschmidt. And Dan, I don't know if your, your, um, your listeners may know his name. He's, he writes the blog Edgy Conversations, and he's one of the top mm. sales bloggers in the world. Dan is one of these, he's just an amazing guy. He, he runs 100-mile races and wins. That's not even, a, that's four marathons. <laughs> you know, wow. That's an, that's <laughs> yeah, super marathon, yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. So, so his personal brand is ultra competitiveness and knife's edge um, competitive, competitiveness as well, I guess. And so, the thing is that he doesn't he doesn't write the blog for a living. What he does is a, uh, for a living is he's a turnaround specialist, and he has this really really interesting method of breaking through to to the people that he needs to reach. He he. Uh, he reads the story. Uh, sorry, he reads, reads the business news every morning, looking for stories of missed earnings estimates. And when he finds one, he has a beautiful sword made up. This this sword is made by the the prop maker who made all the swords for the movie Gladiator. And no way. Yeah, they're they're just they're gorgeous. And um, and he has the, the CEO's name engraved on the sword. I mean, on the blade, and then a a, a quote from um, either himself or Tupac Shakur. His is uh, if you're not all in, you're not in at all. 
Yeah. Mm. Not the one for, for Tupac there, but that's kind of cool. Actually, to put that on there, mm. uh, my peach or my, my my soldiers or something like that, and and um, and the swords then placed in this beautiful wooden box with a handwritten note that says, "Hey, dear Bob, or whoever whoever this is, the CEO, that's Mr. Ernie's estimates, dear Bob, uh, you know business is war, and I get it, and and I noticed that you lost a battle recently. I just want to let you know if you ever need a few extra hands in battle." We've got your back. You know what's interesting about that is there's no, he didn't even put it on his letterhead. It's just a note. Yes. You might think, well, that is not, um, there's no branding going on there, but actually there's a lot of branding going on there because, again, of the audacity. <laughs> He's just sending a sword and a handwritten note. Yes. Who the heck is this guy? Right? <laughs> who would do this? But also, who thinks like this? This is incredible. Remember, the mission is always, man, I love the way you think. And, and so uh, Dan says that he gets, he reports that he gets a, a essentially a hundred percent response rate to that campaign. He spends a thousand dollars every time he sends one out. So you know he's got to target, he's got to target the, the campaign pretty carefully. But he does because these are these are trigger events. They're they're stories of missed earnings estimates. They're perfect, um, perfect trigger events for this to to, to go out. And and the thousand dollars per send makes sense when you put it in the context of the fees that he gets from turnaround assignments, which are a million dollars and up. Wow. So, you know, it makes sense. And look what he's doing. He's, he's hitting, he's getting a hundred percent response rate on, you know, a, a mode of business that, that is worth a million dollars and up when he, when he scores a, a hit. So what a, what an incredible thing is that is still, it's kind of like the equivalent of him running a hundred mile race. In yes. Wow. <laughs> The man of the hunters. Cool. What? And, and I've got to ask myself, would I take this guy's call? Oh, how could you not? How could, yeah, you, how could you not, right? Hey, I took the guy's call from the, who sent the block of wood. Right. <laughs> of course I would take his call. Right. And, and, um, and, and just to throw a few things out there um, for, for those who are listening, you can be audacious and, and send a sword or you know, do something crazy. Um, you know, again, get the book. You'll see some really neat ideas along with the methodology and mentality that goes along with that. But I've done things like um, send uh, green eggs and ham with a, with a post-it note on it. And, uh, you know, to get the attention, um, we, um, there's so many, so many things you can do. And uh, tell, tell me this, when, um, when you think about contact uh, marketing, does it have to be personal? Is it better if it's personal? Because I know like with your cartoons, you would, a lot of times you would actually, it would, it would, it would be about um, the person themselves. You've actually gotten the attention of presidents um, yeah. doing this. So, so tell me like, where do you think maybe the rule of, of, of adding the personal versus maybe not so personal? Well, you know, I, I think that's interesting you bring that up because um, yeah, I do think in general it should be personal. But here's the thing, the, the, the nature of personalization is changing. You know, when, when I was creating direct mail campaigns, um, and we, you know, again, I'm, I wrote a gag, I mean, I wrote a cartoon, the gag has, or the caption has um, data insertion points for first and last name. So because of that, the cartoon, and it's carefully written so that it makes sense and all that, um, it's conversational, et cetera. That, that cartoon was the device that got people to say, whoa, what is this? And you know they clip it out and put it on the refrigerator door and so on. But they they respond to it, and and they got great response. And it, you know if they were rolling out these campaigns, they might be sending the publisher might be sending two million of these things. 
So that's one form of personalization. And I had to, in the book, in this, this next book, I had to really ex examine what's going on because there's another kind of personalization where people are doing profile scrapes. You know, they're, they're, they're doing this deep research on who this person is and mm. um, what their interests are. And, and there are some great stories of reps really paying attention to what's going on with people and then responding to them. You know, a lot of times it's with gifts. Um, but they're very, very personal gifts, and it, it does open doors quite effectively. But the, and, and, and then there are other uses of that, that sort of deep uh, research, deep personal research, one-on-one -on -one or one-to-one -one research um, that, are, that are also quite, um, quite effective as well. So what we really have now are two different forms of personalization. And, and um, again, I, I don't have a term, or no one has a term for it as far as I know, so I'm calling it um, broad or rather wide personalization or deep personalization. So the wide one is the one, you can think of it like an organizational chart almost. You know, here it is, I'm, here's my thing, and now it's going to two million people, or if it's a mailing, two million people. Mm. Or let's say it's 20 people, but it's the same cartoon, I just have filled in their names. And, and, and um, the other version is, you're, you're going, it's very vertical. You're, you're, you're one person um, reaching out to another person. There's no there's no scale going on there. It's just, I'm, I want to find out about you, Donnie, and find out what kinds of things you're interested in, and I'm going to listen to what you're, what you're posting, and if there's an opening, if I see an opening, I'll send something, and, and we'll probably make an, a connection because of that. You know, and I wouldn't say that either of them is wrong, um, or even, you know, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people like to throw around the term old school right now, which is funny to me, because they'll talk about things being old school if they aren't digital. <laughs> Although digital is, let's call it conventional at least. It's well, like everyone does it. You know, no one's unique if they're using digital marketing either. So, um, uh, but, you know, if, if, if you're using broad personalization, I guess the thing is you can, it allows you to scale it, scale it really easily. Mm. It has to be based on some assumptions. But, you know, I, I described that cartoon to you earlier, the, the guy, looking at your proposal. And of course that one's not personalized, but you know, I, I could send that to, I could probably send that to all of the, all the people in sales and 90% of them would love it because they've been through it. You know, it's a, it's an experience that we all share and it, it just sort of encapsulates it and kind of gives us a laugh and we can show it around. And if someone, if you can send it to a, to a client who's, who's acting that way. And I think it would actually kind of loosen things up, but you know, it, it's, it's a pretty good assumption that if I'm sending that to an audience of salespeople, most of them are going to love it. So broad person or wide personalization works quite well. It's been working quite well for, for a long time. But then there's also deep personalization, which also works quite well. It's not, it's not I wouldn't call it scalable because it's one-to-one. On, one one. It, it's always focused on, on just a single person and each person, can, uh, we're all different. So we're going to focus on those things that make each of us different, um, but it's still, it still work, works. Both of them work really, really well. Mm. Mm. I love it. And, and it's interesting when you said something old school and then actually you use the term conventional, it almost feels like what we're trying to do is to break the mindset of what's expected, that, mm -hmm. that whenever I'm seeing something over and over and over again, my brain identifies that as a pattern, whether it's yes. um, like if it's a call, hey, this is Donnie, how are you today? Um, like when you hear that, you're thinking, oh, salesperson, and you categorize it as such, 
and you give it a certain type of attention or non-attention. And the same thing happens with email and direct mail and all of the things that everyone is doing. Mm-hmm. But when you break the mold of it, um, I, I remember actually in many instances getting people's attention through fax because who, d- <laughs> who, who does a fax anymore? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. All of a sudden the machine comes on and starts cranking something out. <laughs> and, um, you know, you can, you can easily – or I, I send um, handwritten letters. Um, I like to wax seal um, those letters, but it's like, you know, again, it's, it's not something that did, like, that's, that was the only mode of communication 100 years ago. And, uh, and now it's almost like because nobody does it anymore, it, it becomes novel and, and that's different. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You, you know, it, if, if, um, if anybody out there is thinking, well, I don't want to use old school or new school, I don't, I, if, if you hear yourself uttering the words old school, stop and check your thinking because. Mm. You know, wh- <laughs> um, when when people use that to describe, let's say, sending something through the mail, you're the the, the wax sealed letter. Um, I guess, I suppose they could call it old school because that's how people used to to communicate. I would call it really smart marketing right now because you're using an uncrowded channel, the mail, is really pretty uncrowded at this point, and you're doing something that really really stands out. And and you know what happens as a result. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, as, as a result, um, I, I get attention and people yeah. are, they, again, they're willing to take the call. So, so let's just be pragmatic and say, let's use what works. <laughs> you know? Love it. And, well, and don't, don't worry about whether it's not digital and therefore, I mean, if, it seems like anything that's not digital is called old school, re- you know, receives that sort of dig. But, I, you know, anything that's, anything that's digital, and it's, look, digital is wonderful. All of it's wonderful. But it's conventional at this point. Who doesn't know and use SEO? Who doesn't use email? <laughs> right. What's, what's so unusual about that or, or earth-shattering or, or, you know, leading edge about any of that? Take, take me here, um, Stu. When, when I, I consider marketing, really, it's, almost, it's the introduction. It's the, it's the handshake. Maybe it's if we're back in terms of, uh, of dating, maybe it's the wink or it's whatever. Get, it gets someone's attention, right? Yeah. Um, but if that's all we do – we die there too. It doesn't matter how cool yeah. and how great it was. Um, and you actually have some really good stuff in, um, in your book about making sure that that connection happens. And a part of that in- involves um, the help of the gatekeeper. But, um, but take us into the conversation that needs to be had. So let's just say you sent something magnificent. And it doesn't matter if it was from the dollar store or it was an iPad with a message or it was you know, a $1,000 sword. So the, the, it's been delivered. How, yeah. how, like, what happens next? Well, first of all, I, you know, I would say before that even happens, because we're talking about, oh, gatekeepers. I, I mean, like, that's, that's a term I hate, because executive assistants, um, people reduce them to that, they, and, and when they do that, they make a mistake. That's like thinking old school. Mm. <laughs> you know? That is old school. It, it really, it, look, here, here's, these people are, they're, first of all, they're some of the sharpest people in their organizations. They really are. You know, the, the, the executive assistant to the president or, or CEO of the company, they report to the, to, to the president or the CEO. <laughs> you know, that's pretty impressive, right? Direct Just, line, yes. And so what these people really are, are they're, they're, they're talent scouts. Yes. You know, they're, they, um, they, you know, yes, part of their job is to keep the wrong people out. And if you've been kept out, then they've, they've determined you're the wrong people. But they're also... Term, I mean, they're also tasked with getting, letting the right people in. 
And that's not always the people that know the president or the president knows. Mm. Things that he, he or she, it's usually a woman uh, in my experience, the, the, the job is to bring things to the, to the boss that they would otherwise miss. So they, they've got a really important job on the other side of that gatekeeping aspect. And uh, I, you really should be thinking of them as vice presidents of access. Mm. They're vice presidents. They report to the president or to the, to the CEO, and they control access. So you really should involve them in your campaign. Not, not try, I mean, a lot of times people say, how do, you, how, do you, how do you circumvent the executive assistant? Well, you, if you're doing that, you're making a big mistake. Include them. They, they, they can be allies, and if you're bringing, value, if you're bringing something that, that their executive really needs to know about, they'll help you. And, so, and, and conventionally, what's everyone else doing? By the way, they're trying to they're trying to bypass these people, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're in, you're actually enlisting their help. Exactly. So so you ask what like what what do you say to the executive assistant? My favorite one, you know, of course, I'm going to talk about sending my the thing that I like to send a lot, which is a big cartoon. I call it a big board, but it's a big cartoon board. Yeah, tell us that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a eight, eighteen by twenty four inch quarter inch thick foam core board. Um, and on one side there's a cartoon that's about the about the target recipient, and on the other side there's all the branding and the messaging, which is you know a message from the sender to the recipient explaining who they are, why they'd like to meet, and you know setting up a time to or setting up some next step for for connecting. And so uh, you know before in, in any of that happens, I love making a phone call to the executive assistant and saying, "Hi, my name is Stu Heinick. I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists." And I sent, I, I, I'm sending a print of one of my cartoons, and it's about your boss. Well, by the time I finish those few words, is the, assist, the assistant is saying, what, really? Okay. <laughs> and, so, um, so, and then I just finished it by saying, look, I, I want it to be a surprise for your boss, but not to you. So would you mind if I send you an email with these details? Oh, my God, no, not at all. Here, here's my email address. And they usually, that's usually the reaction. And then, um, and then, you know, the, the print of the big board goes out, but I also send a card to the uh, executive assistant because I want to thank the, I want to thank yes. them for their help. Yes. So, so they get a cartoon about themselves too, but you know, it's, I know what the, what the effects of all these things are. So and, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. So I know that when, when they get a card and there's a cartoon that's about them, that's already pretty cool. When they open up the card and they see a handwritten note and the signature of the cartoonist, they're going, wow, you know, th this is really cool. They'll, they'll keep it on their desk for, or yeah. their bulletin board for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. That's a great thing. So by the time the, the big board arrives, the executive assistant is, they're really ready to spring into action and say, okay, great, I, I've got the FedEx tracking number now. I'll make sure that he, that he gets on his desk. And you know, they, they quarterback the campaign. Oh, man. And, and by the way, obviously, with the day and time that we live in now, um, sometimes there are things that arrive in packages, and if it's unexpected, it, <laughs> it might yes. not get received. So you definitely need yeah. someone's help. But um, now I want, you, I want you to take me into the conversation now with, uh, with a CEO, which is really defined as whoever is the person that you really need to make the connection with. So it doesn't have to have that necessarily that title. But they now have this in hand. Like, like what? Because, again, if this is just happening and we're expecting them to call us, maybe it happens, maybe not. But what, what, are you, what are you doing to create now uh, something that, that bumps them into um, you know, relationship but also into a potential sales conversation? Well, I would say, first of all, that remember I said earlier that 
you want to be doing something that has them saying, wow, I love the way you think, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. great. And you, if, you, if you're going to be talking to a, a CEO, by the way, this, is, uh, this isn't always about just getting to the CEO. It could be the, the CEO of the problem you're trying to solve. As exactly, a, yes. As you put it. Um, or that you could you could say that it also cha- it also stands for the center of enterprise opportunity. It's not always the chief executive officer, um, but you know. So so the thing is, if if ideally you've come in and they're already saying, "Man, I love the way you think." Well, you know, the conversation is going to be pretty friendly, and uh, and we'll um, focus on the um, the opportunity that you see for them to take advantage of something that and, and something that that involves you and your service or product. Um, but you know, there's another thing when you, when you, um, let's say that you only had a dozen words to explain what it is you wanted to do or or why you're reaching out. And let's say you put that in an email, what would you write? You know, what, what, what were the words, what are the words that you would, you would, you would say to say, I think, for example, maybe, uh, I I think we have an opportunity to increase your sales by 25% if we make one quick change. Well, I think they'd be saying, well, how would you do that? And, and I think that's the perfect way to open a conversation with, with, uh, with someone. When you, you know, again, if you've, if you've already done something that has them saying, man, I love the way you think, well, now they're listening. My cartoon. Now I might first be asking them, did you enjoy the cartoon? And what, what happened? If, has anyone walked into your office and seen it? And, the, and, and so they'll, they'll share stories about that but anyway so just to getting getting to what the reason why i reached out to you um you know i i, I think i see an opportunity for you to to increase your sales by 25 percent, and it really has to do with making one quick change could we talk about that and i think you're always i think you're probably also in a, in a good spot if you're asking for for that permission because when you ask your permission uh, ask for permission in that way you've, you've asked a question that they I think most most of them are going to say, "Well, how would you do that?" So there's permission. Mm, love and, it. Um, and and you you lay it out, and I, you know it's really, um, I, you know I don't want to I don't want to quote the, the challenger sale because I I wouldn't do it accurately, but huh. you certainly want to be there to. You're not you're not their consultant, but you want to. I, I think you want to be there acting like one, mm. or acting as one. Yeah, yeah. So you're helping them. Yeah, you start out as, with a coach, coaching, coaching mentality, and mm-hmm. um, and I and I love the thing that I love about this whole scenario too is to um, and for those again, uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't realized that I absolutely love the book and everything that's in it, um, the you know the you're, you're not playing cloak and dagger, you're not bait and switch. There's no there's no, no. Jedi mind tricks. All you're doing is you're getting someone's attention in a big way, and then once you have it, you're you're presenting value. And um, the rest is up to you. As Listen, as a salesperson, you should be able to do those things. But hopefully today uh, we, we've, we've stirred some things in you to, um, you know, to go out there and not just create more value. I'm sure you're a person of value already. Um, if not, like obviously we're all striving towards that mark. But, uh, but really to, uh, to get attention, you know, to gain the attention of the people that you feel like um, that you want audience with. And uh, hopefully you've gotten some uh, some sparks. I didn't actually share the Bigfoot story. I'll share that, Stu, with you <laughs> offline. And um, I need to connect you with uh, one of my favorite people, Bruce Bibb. And uh, gosh, you're going you're gonna to love this guy. And his story is nuts. Um, cool. and, it's, and it's earned him. I can't even tell you how much money. Um, but 
you know, hopefully this has done that for you. Stu, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with, with uh, maybe just, maybe one, um, you know, if you could encourage the audience into, uh, into this direction a little bit, maybe, maybe the only thing they've ever done is picked up the phone and create appointments and, and, and run presentations and close business. That's what they've been used to. So let's think about people from there. What can we encourage them to, maybe to get them from the place where they're from crawling to walking? And then, um, and then how can we get in touch with you, man? Sure. Well, thanks. So, so, you know, I would say, um, I would leave you with this, that, that I think I mentioned the ad, I've been talking a lot today, <laughs> so forgive me if I didn't mention this, <laughs> but um, I use, I sometimes run an ad for, the, for my book with the headline, one, one meeting can change everything. And, um, you know, you heard one, one, meeting, one meeting did change everything when I saw the picture in the magazine, for example. <laughs> <laughs> but... But those meetings, the meetings that we can have in business really can change everything. And there, there are people out there who can change the scale of your career and of your business. And it's your challenge to go connect with them in a way that is meaningful to them and to you. And I, I think that contact marketing gives you the wings to do that. And actually, I don't think so. I know that it does. And it's something you really, really ought to be checking out. I would also say that, you know, if you don't, if, if someone's out there saying, I hate cold calling, well, I get it. I mean, you know, a, a lot of sort of aimless calling isn't a lot of fun. Mm. But when you warm these calls up, when, you, when they are targeted, and you have people, when you're, you're doing things that has people on the other end of the, you know, on, on the other end of the campaign saying, whoa, man, I love the way you think, it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> these conversations are just a lot of fun to have. So uh, I, I, I really believe that you would find contact marketing to be a godsend in those kinds of circumstances. So well, so you asked how, how to reach me, and I think probably the easiest way to do it is just to find me on, on LinkedIn. It's just Stu Heinick, S-T-U, and then my last name, Heinick, H-E-I-N-E-C-K-E. Um, really easy to find me. You can connect with me. You can follow um, whatever you want to do. I, I publish a, um, a podcast, and I, I do that on, on LinkedIn or via link, LinkedIn posts. Um, it's called the How to Get a Meeting with Anyone podcast, or you can go find the book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, anywhere, find books are sold. And Stu, you've absolutely crushed it today. You also have a business that helps people if, if they want to outsource some of their contact marketing. That's and true. and uh, so I would definitely encourage you guys to, uh, to look up, uh, look Stu up for that. And uh, man, oh man, let's stop playing small. Stu just literally gave you uh, the stone and the sling to be able to knock down the giant. So let's go after some, let's do some big game hunting guys. And uh, remember this, if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere and your talent is not limited by your zip code. Hey, thanks for joining us. And before you hit that next button on that phone, I want you to continue with me for just a little bit longer because I've put something together, especially for you. I want you to go over to DonnieTuttle.com and you are going to find that I have put together a course on selling anywhere. I have literally taken all of the mistakes out of this thing that I've learned over the course of two and a half years, and I provide a template of how you can go out there and sell anywhere. Everything from the traveling and the moving to the setup to the teardown to the mindset methods and motivation to different formats of being able to present to people in a way that is compelling I have done that for you, and I'm asking you to go to DonnieTuttle.com 
and download the first class session for free. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode.